0: Welcome to the Hope Collective Message Podcast, where we find a confident expectation of a better tomorrow in the character and promises of God. To learn more about who we are, visit thehopeco.com. Here's today's message.
1: Good morning. Today's reading is from John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning, the word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought forth light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. The Word of the Lord.
0: You guys can go ahead and have a seat. Jen, thank you uh, for reading God's Word, God's Word. Um, hi everyone. Good morning, Happy Sunday. Uh, for those of you that I haven't had a chance to meet yet, uh, my name is Alex. I'm one of Hope Coast Pastors and have the privilege uh, of kicking off a brand new series that we're going to be in for the next several weeks in the book of 1 John. Uh, before we get into all of that, though, uh, I want to say thank you to Jeremy uh, for the message from last week. If you guys did not get a chance to check that out, awesome message, yes. Awesome message about how we think about ourselves. And do we view ourselves more like the world views us, which would be these machines, these texts, these devices with inputs and outputs and efficiencies? Or do I view ourselves the way that Jesus views us, as these things that have life, that have to bear fruit, but we have to be connected to something that's outside of ourselves in order for that life? to come forth, this, these images of the laptop and the bonsai tree. I've caught myself this week talking about myself and others in these like device techie terms. I don't know if you guys have, but it's like, darn it, Jeremy, you stuck with me this week. Um, but one of the things that uh, we talked about even this week in a staff meeting that we had, uh, we had some ministry team leaders with us in talking about how this idea of the laptop and the bonsai, the device and the growing thing, how it influences the way we think about how we grow and how we invite other people to grow. What do we expect of other people and do we think about other people as these objects, as these machines, or do we think about them as these things that have life and bear fruit when they're connected to something outside of themselves? And so as uh, we were going through this meeting, Jeremy shared that he had a conversation with somebody who actually worked at a bonsai tree farm I can't even imagine that. But the first day that this person walks onto the farm, he's like, all right, tell me what to do. What do I gotta do to take care of these things? And the owner of this bonsai tree farm says, before you do anything, take a moment to listen to the trees. And if you listen to the trees, they will teach you how to take care of them. And so I'm sitting in this meeting and two things are going through my head. The first one is, I don't know if I could find a more appropriate bonsai tree farmer thing to say. I mean, that is not surprising at all. It's almost a little disappointing, because it's, it's like when you're watching a movie and you know exactly what's going to happen next, and you're like, I called that a mile away. Like, that's, I, I wanted to be surprised by this statement, but it's like, listen to the trees. That is, you cannot say a more bonsai tree farmer thing. And the second thing that's going through my mind is I wonder how long it would take for me in that situation to be like, okay, look, Master Yoda. um, I was listening to the trees and the trees said, I need to come talk to you. Because apparently the trees think I don't know what I'm doing and that I need some help. So the trees would really appreciate if you gave me some direction. It's really not my idea at all. It's definitely the trees. But this challenge to how we think about ourselves and how we think about what it means to grow is something we actually need to keep in mind over these next eight, nine weeks that we're going to be in the book of 1 John because it influences even how we see ourselves in these moments. Do we come to these spaces expecting to download new information so that we can give ourselves an update as we go into the next week so we can be more efficient and more productive, or... Is there something else that's happening? Is there something deeper that God has in store for us as we are connected to his word, to his people and to his mission where we see this growth happen over a longer period of time, but it's the fruit that lasts. It's the fruit that matters. And so as we come into these spaces and as we begin this new series, if you hadn't had a chance to go check out that message, do that because it's gonna influence how we interact with each other, with God's word and with, God in, with what God is inviting us to be a part of in the days ahead as we dig into this series. So, 1 John, we are entering into this new series, and I'd like to give us all a question to keep in mind as we're kicking this thing off. And the question is this, if there was an area of your life where you had settled for something less than Jesus, would you wanna know? And I'm gonna ask that question again, and I want you to think about the implications of your answer, because Jesus can be very disruptive. And the way that you respond to this question could both ruin your life and save it at the same time. If there was an area of your life where you had settled for something less than Jesus, would you wanna know? And I guess a follow-up question to that would be, what would you be willing to give up? so that your hands could be open for what Jesus had in store for you. These questions are what we need to keep in mind as we dig into this series in 1 John, because 1 John is all about the life that God has for us in Jesus, but it's a life that we have to allow God to work in us as we learn to trust him more and let go of the things that are getting in the way. First John is all about this idea that God's character and his goodness and his beauty and his truth has impressed itself upon humanity in Jesus and is to be expressed in goodness and love and truth into the world around us. But if the expression of our faith doesn't look the way that it looked for Jesus, the question is then have we actually let God make the impression that He wants to make on our lives? That's how do we allow God to impress his goodness and his character and his love on us so that we can express it into the world around us? And if the expression isn't happening, then where is the impression lacking? And so as we kick off this series, uh, kind of three things that we're going to do this morning is I'm going to give a little bit more of an introduction to First John and the reason that we chose this particular book of scripture. It's a big book. Why did we land in this particular area? I'm going to give a teaching on John 1 not 1 John, but the first chapter of the Gospel of John, and you'll see why as we go along. And then finally, a little bit of direction for how we engage with the book of 1 John in these weeks ahead. So, introduction, teaching, direction. So why the book of 1 John? Scripture is a big book. There's 66 places where we could have gone and any number of verses that we could have attached to on this, but why the book of 1 John? 1 John is a timely reminder for God's people to stay true to what we know to be true in Jesus. It's a reminder for us to stay true to what we know to be true in Jesus. When we dig into the background of this letter, it was written by one of the earliest followers of Jesus, the disciple, John. And it's written to a group of churches in a place called Ephesus that was in the middle of a cultural hurricane where everything that they had been taught to believe about Jesus and faith and what it meant to live the good life according to God had come under question. And not just from people looking in from the outside, people who would look into the life of people that follow Jesus and say, you're doing it wrong. You're missing out, or God is holding out from you. Why would you make choices like this when there's so much more that the world has to offer you? It wasn't just that the questions were coming from the outside it was that people even from the inside of the church had begun to ask questions and actually turn away from Jesus and convince people to follow them outside of a life with God. And so there was this cultural hurricane happening on the outside and on the inside that had caused these believers to call into question, what is it that we really believe? When this thing is so loud and so pervasive and so much, it's difficult to know what's what and who's right and let alone what we're supposed to do as a result. And odds are good that if you're sitting in this room, you've probably felt similar to the people that John is writing to. We live in a time and in an age where so much that we have held to be true is coming under question. And even people close to us, people that we love, have started to call things into question and actually distance themselves from Jesus because they think that there is life found elsewhere. And so what do we do? Where do we stand when this hurricane is raging around us, when there is a storm that is blinding out our thoughts and fogging our minds? Where do we go to find a firm foundation to land on? First John is a calm in the midst of this storm. And he is writing to remind everyone who is reading his letters of what is true in Jesus so that they can stay true to what they know to be true of this one who has shown up and given us life and light and peace. So that's why we decided to jump into this book of 1 John because we believe it's a timely reminder. It's something that we need in these moments. But if we're going to dig into the book of 1 John, we actually need to start somewhere else. We need to start in the gospel of John, in the first chapter. Because if in 1 John, the author is reminding us of things that we already know to be true, if he's pointing us back to things that he's already said, then we need to go back to those things. We need to find that source because that's where he's going to be reestablishing our foundations, that's what he's gonna be drawing us back to. So before we get into the actual book of 1 John, we're gonna take some time in the first 18 verses of John 1. So I'd invite you to turn there. What we're gonna do is I'm gonna read through the first five verses of John 1, and then we're gonna kind of double back and talk through it as we go along. So this is the gospel according to John chapter 1, verse 1, which says this. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And in him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In these first five verses, John is sharing things that he will continually point people back to over the course of his entire life because he believes that they are that important for the life of faith with Jesus. And so let's go back. What is John saying in these few verses that are so important? These first three words in verse one In the beginning. Now, if you're familiar with scripture, you'll recognize these three words as the first three words of the Old Testament, of the book of Genesis, where it all starts. John is deliberately echoing this language of Genesis because he's trying to communicate to his readers that something fundamentally new has happened in Jesus. And not new like we use the word new. We use the word new and it's kind of cheap. We talk about new and it's like, happy new year, and it's like, we did this 12 months ago and 12 months before that and 12 months before that. And it's like, it's new, but some things are going to change and some things aren't going to change. And how new is this new year really? So we talk about new and it's kind of this cheap, like, Oh, I got a new phone or even a new job or a new house. We throw around the word new pretty loosely. But when John thinks about what has happened in Jesus, When he thinks about the difference that has occurred because the God of the universe has become human, the only place that he knows where to go is in this reality-shaping foundations of our entire existence phrase, in the beginning. Something reality-shaking has happened in Jesus. And if we wanna understand the implications of this Christmas thing that we just celebrated, and the fact that this little baby born in a manger is the God of the universe, we have to go back to the very beginning because what was God doing in Genesis one? He was bringing order to chaos. He was bringing light to darkness and he was bringing life to emptiness. And in a cultural storm where things seem chaotic and dark and empty of the life that God has in store for us, we are reminded that if God did it once, he can do it again. In the beginning was the word. John goes on to introduce us to Jesus, not as Jesus himself, but as this idea of the word. I'm going to camp out here for a little bit because the word that we get translated as word in our English translations is the Greek word logos or logos, depending on how you pronounce it. And there's a lot of debate and a lot of commentary on what is John actually doing with this word. And the best way to understand it is that John is using one word to talk to two different audiences. One is a Jewish audience that's familiar with the Old Testament, with the story of God and his people, and God is, and John is saying something to them, but he's also saying something to a different audience, which is a Greek audience. An audience that doesn't have all of that religious terminology and history, but has these philosophical categories that they're thinking through. John is using one word to talk to these two different groups of people. So when he introduces the word to his Jewish audience, they would be thinking of this idea of the word of the Lord that comes throughout the Old Testament, specifically in the books of the prophets where they talk about the word of the Lord came to Isaiah. The word of God came to so-and-so. And what they understood this idea of the word of the Lord to be was everything that God wanted. Everything that God was thinking, his goodness and his character and his dream for the world made manifest in something that he had spoken to humanity. It was this idea of talking about everything that God was and everything that God wanted in a way that was separate from himself, but totally represented everything that he wanted humanity to know. The word of the Lord. John is setting up his Jewish audience to understand and receive Jesus As that word, as the perfect manifestation of God's goodness and his beauty and his glory and his character and his dream for humanity made manifest, but no longer as an idea, no longer as a metaphor, but as a person, as a human, as one of us, as someone that we could interact with when God for so long had felt so far off, the divine everything had become this human something in the word of God. That's what John's saying to his Jewish audience, but to his Greek audience, he's saying something else because the Greeks didn't think like the Jews. A lot of Greek thinkers actually believed that this whole idea of religion was a lot of nonsense. And these Greco-Roman gods were really just immature humans with superpowers and all of the problems that went along with that. And so the best of them developed this idea, this philosophy of this thing called the Logos, of this underlying principle, this underlying idea, this equation, this something that gave shape and form and meaning and purpose to existence. There had to be something that was underneath this world, but behind it and over it and all through it that just held it all together, this internal logic of creation. You can even hear the similarities in the words, Logos and logic. It's the same idea. There had to be this underlying principle that made sense of everything. And John writing to this Greek audience says, you're looking for the logos. It's not an idea, it's not a principle, it's a person. This thing that you're looking for, this thing that makes sense of the universe, this thing that binds it all together, we know him. We met him, we ate with him. And this idea of, I don't know, my brain works like this, is I just imagine these like Greek philosophers and togas and everything like together. And they're like, there has to be something underneath all of this that, that just makes sense of it all. And John and the disciples are like, yeah, he's great. We met him. Like we had breakfast with him. He's awesome. You should totally meet him. But John is writing to these two different audiences and to these Hebrews who have waited for God to make himself manifest for so long. John is saying that this divine everything has become a human something in Jesus. And to the Greeks, he's saying this human person is the divine thing that you're looking for. This logos, this word is everything. If you've been looking for God, you find him in Jesus if you're not sure about this whole religion thing, but you know that there has to be purpose and meaning and something out there that makes sense of it all, it's found in Jesus. And in this one word, John is declaring these truths about this person, Jesus, who is the word, not just human, but also God. He goes on to say in verse two, I'm sorry, verse one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God, And the word was God. It was something that existed alongside God, separate from God, but was God at the same time in a way that our brains can't wrap themselves around. But that doesn't mean it's not true. This word was in the beginning with God from the foundations of creation. And this moment where order was brought to chaos and light was brought to darkness and life was brought to emptiness, this word has existed. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. And in him, this word, this logos was life. And that life was the light of men. And writing in the gospel of John, he says in verse five, the light shines in the darkness. From that first day of creation, that light has been shining in the darkness. And to this day, the darkness has not overcome it. John is writing all of these things to help his readers begin to understand who is this Jesus that he is introducing them to. Because later on in chapter 20 of John, verse 31, he actually gives us the purpose for why he's writing this gospel in the first place. He says, chapter 20, verse 31. He says, these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. He is the promised one. He's the Messiah. He's the anointed one. He is the son of God. And that believing you may have life in his name. John is writing all of this because he believes that the source of all life rests in this one that has been sent as Jesus. And so from these very first verses, he doesn't want us to miss what God has given us in Jesus. Even going down in chapter one to verse 18. I'm sorry, verse 14. He says, this word, this logos has become flesh. That's what we just celebrated at Christmas was the arrival of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. This divine, everything has become a human something. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We've seen his glory, the glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth down to verse 18. No one has ever seen God, but the only God, this one who is at the Father's side, distinct from Him, and yet the same has made God known in Him. Everything that we would want to be know, that we would want to know to be true about creation, about reality, about life, about everything we find in Jesus. And John doesn't want us to miss this. These eighteen verses, specifically these first five of John one. These are the foundations that John lays for his readers that he is actually going to circle back to in the book of 1 John. It's almost as if John wrote this book decades prior where he shared all of this knowledge with these people that then went on to form churches and communities of believers And these same people are now in crisis as they see the culture around them and even people that they know and love from the community within leaving. And they're asking, John, what do we do? Where do we go? How do we get back to this peace and this life and this light that God has to offer? And John says, you go back to the beginning. You go back to where this all started. And these same things of light, and life and love, you go to the book of First John and you read the first couple verses in there and you can hear all the terminology that John has already introduced and he's gonna go back to. First John verse one, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. That life was made manifest. We've seen it. We testify to it. We proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with God the Father and was made manifest to us. All of these ideas are founded in John 1 and John is calling us back in 1 John to reestablish ourselves in these truths. And so in order to understand where we're going in the next few weeks, we need to have these ideas in the back of our mind that this Jesus that we worship was the one that God was with in creating the world and bringing order to chaos and light, to darkness and life, to emptiness. And that is the work he is still doing. And if darkness has not overcome him yet, darkness will never overcome him. And so we can trust in that in the midst of this cultural hurricane that we might find ourselves in, no matter what your circumstances are, these are the foundations that we rest in. And so we have these ideas in the back of our minds as we approach the book of 1 John. This idea that it was written as a timely reminder for us to stay true to what we know to be true in Jesus. That these ideas of light and life and that which was from the beginning, we need to have in the back of our minds as we approach 1 John. But then we also need a little bit of direction to how to engage with the book itself. And so how do we read First John and now some of you uh, may be familiar enough with first John to be frustrated and there's a reason for that because we read the Bible and the Bible isn't this incredible work of art and literature. We say it's 66 books. It's a library of books of poetry and stories and letters. And depending on what part of scripture you're reading, you have to approach it in different ways. But even the letters that we have, we have to read in different ways. So we read the letters of Paul. Paul is an educated thinker, he's a scribe, he's a theologian, he has a certain way of writing. But when we read Paul, we approach him in a certain way and then we wanna read John the same way. And that's when we get frustrated. We read First John and we're like, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He's all over the map. And there's a reason for that. Paul's writing is like a river he writes in a way that is very linear. It has a start. It has a beginning or it has a, it has a beginning and it has an end. Hopefully it is beginning. It has an end when you're reading it. You don't always feel that way. It feels like it goes on forever, but it has this beginning, this end, and there's a flow to the thought. Everything's moving in the same direction. It's very linear. It's very logical. If a then B and also C, but not D therefore E we love Paul. Paul's super easy to follow in most cases. Paul's writing is like a river. John's writing is like the rain. (laughs) The chuckles in this room. I don't know what to do with, but I'm going to keep going. John's writing is like the rain. And we're going to go back to junior high science class for a minute. And this idea of the water cycle. Rain is something that falls and then collects into puddles and lakes and then evaporates and then condenses into clouds, and then falls again, and then it collects, and then it evaporates, and condenses, and falls again. It's something that has a cycle to it. John writes, not in the linear style of Paul, but almost as a cycle, where he's gonna bring up one thing, and then he's gonna move on to something else, which will lead him to a third thing, but then he's gonna come back to the first thing, and he's gonna talk about it in a slightly different way, and he's doing that to draw your attention to the difference. And then he's gonna talk about the second thing again. And the third thing again, is this literary style called amplification, where you're going through the same ideas over and over again, but they're getting greater and deeper the more and more you spend time with it. John is inviting us to immerse ourselves in the truths that he's sharing. And the more that we spend time in this cycle that he's inviting us into, the deeper and deeper into the truth and grace and beauty and goodness of God, we will be able to experience. Because here's the thing, rivers and rain both bring life, but they have to be engaged in different ways. And so the thing that we need to keep in mind as we are thinking about 1 John and how to engage with that, the three things that I wanna share with you, the first one is let John be John. Let's not try to force John to be Paul. He's not Paul and we're just gonna frustrate ourselves in that process. (laughs) Let's just take time to let John share and to immerse ourselves in that, which leads to the second thing, anticipate confusion. Isn't that fun? Get ready to be confused. Here's the thing, if you're confused as you're reading 1 John, that means you're probably doing it right. Confusion isn't a bad thing, it just means you're learning something new. And it takes some time to process. If you got done reading 1 John, it would be more concerning if you were like, yep, got it, totally good. Don't even need to go to church tomorrow. We're all right. This idea that John is inviting us into is to take time to immerse ourselves in what he's sharing. So here's a challenge I would give to you all is that once a week, at least for the next eight weeks, I would invite you to read through the book of 1 John in its entirety once a week. And if you don't understand or fully grasp what's going on, that's okay. Because this is something that's going to take time. And this is where this illustration of the laptop and the bonsai comes in. If first John were something that we could just download and all of a sudden our minds are renewed because we just got the latest update. That would be one thing, but that's not how John is writing. John is writing for us to immerse ourselves, to dig our roots deep into the truths that he's sharing. And so the more we understand and spend time in the book as a whole, the more life we're going to find in the individual sections because that's how John is inviting us to engage with his letter. Does that make sense? Third thing, if the first thing that we need to know as we're engaging with the book of 1 John is to let John be John, if the second thing is to anticipate some confusion, the third thing is be willing to be challenged. And this is where we get back to the question that we brought up at the beginning of this message. If there was an area of your life where you had settled for something less than Jesus, would you wanna know? And if so, what would you be willing to give up so that you could have open hands to receive what Jesus had for you? Where there is no challenge, there is no change. And if there is change that you know God wants to bring or if there is change that you wanna see, you have to be willing to be challenged over these next eight weeks with grace and truth as together we follow Jesus knowing that he is the one who brings order and peace to chaos, that he is the one who brings light to darkness, and he is the one who brings life to emptiness. And so we are really excited to dig into this book over the next several weeks and glad that we get to do that together as the Hope Collective. So I'd invite you to stand. I want to pray for you and then dismiss you as you go into this coming week. God, we are grateful to have the gift of Scripture, that you have let us know who you are in this word and you are reminding us of who you created us to be, that there is an invitation in this book to a deeper relationship with you. We don't have life because we have this book, but this book points to you, Jesus, and it is in you that we have life. And so we pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds to everything that you have in store. And that as we leave these doors, you would help us to experience your peace in the midst of chaos, your light in the midst of darkness, and your life where things had seemed to be empty. And as we experience that ourselves, that we would become sources of the same for the world around us. We love you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.
1: Amen. 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 Can we do one thing as we go? Growing up, one of the things my dad taught me, his generation taught us, is to be people of our word. Do you remember that? Remember when your word was your bond? If you said you were gonna be there, it didn't matter what was happening, you were going to be there. The cancel so easy these days. Our word is our bond, our yes is our yes, our no is our no. Here's what I would love to do, because I think it's a worthy challenge. As we dive in, we're in the book of John because we believe this is where God is taking us as a church, because of where God is taking us as a church. Especially in the culture we live in today, how many of you would say, you know what, for the next nine weeks, I'm going to commit to reading 1 John every week? Would you raise your hand and say, Amen? You don't have to, there's no pressure here. But I think sometimes when we commit and say, I'm going to put my name on the line to say, I'm going to do this, we're going to do this together. And so I'm going to be praying as God, as we do that, that God begins to reveal his heart. We're going to let John be John, we're going to be confused right? And then the third thing, we're going to be challenged and we're going to grow as a result of that.
0: Thanks for spending time with the Hope Collective. If you appreciated this message, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. You can also leave a rating or review, which will help other listeners find us online. Thanks again for joining us.